Episode 3305 of the Survival Podcast. I am back from uh, Exit and Build down in Bastrop, Texas. It was an excellently run event, as it always is when John Bush is running an event. He's a great dude. I really appreciated that he had me down there to talk about biochar. And we talked about a lot of other really practical, down-to-earth things. First day of the presentations was more of a philosophy-based presentation uh, lineup of speakers. Second day was nuts and bolts. What do you do? And uh, I like being on that second day. And Joe's asking me how Exit and Build was. Synchronicity, Joe. There you go. That's how it was. It was fantastic. I got to meet some great people, as always. I heard from a couple people that said that they didn't get to come up and talk to me. And I'm not picking on them or nothing. I'm actually putting this out there in case you're ever one of the people that come to a live event to see me. One this morning I talked who was waiting until Sunday when it wasn't as busy. And I wasn't there Sunday, but the but for a couple of minutes to thank John for the opportunity to shake his hand and uh, and say goodbye. Uh, if I'm at a, an event, I don't care if there's other people talking to me. I don't care if I'm doing something. Come up, catch my attention, and talk to me. I am there for you. That's what I'm always doing. And I'm here for you today. And we're going to talk about artificial intelligence today. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in this. And, and the whole world's going ape shit about it right now. And it is something you need to pay attention to. And uh, K-Bonk is saying Curtis Stone was hot. For those who don't know, the reason Curtis was hot is he he made a mistake. He told the government the truth. And uh, they denied him entry into the state. So he had to promote uh, to present remotely because they deemed the fact that he was going to a conference where he was a speaker to uh, to to account for uh, work. And he needed a work visa. So while your southern border is porous as the day is long. Honest people that want to come in and talk to a group of people in a room, uh, they're not allowed in. Yay, government. Anyway, uh, let's get back onto the track here. We're talking about AI today, and I, I want to tell you, you have to remember, it's not just selective things. It's all things. When everybody on TV and radio, et cetera, are at the same time singing from the same course book, there's a reason. And we're going to dig into that today. We're going to dig into why you can't run away from this. Is it dangerous? Yes. There's a lot of other things that are dangerous that you use probably on a daily basis. And if your adversaries have them and you don't, you've got a bigger problem than the fact the thing is dangerous. Why you can't ignore this and can't run away from it. And you probably need to learn about it. I'm going to tell you what I have committed to myself. If you haven't already heard on Noster, uh, when I did some posts this morning about it, but I've set a goal for myself and I intend to see it through the end of the year and make it happen. And uh, I'm not coming at this as an expert on AI today. A lot of times, guys, you ask me about something or I find something and I'll go a month before I'll really talk about it, of digging into it deeply, like I did with biochar. This is something I've been I've been flirting with since about six months ago and learning more about it. And, and, and recently, thanks to Guy Swan, I, I did a pretty big deep dive into it. But I am no expert. I, I've played with a few tools. I'm going to play with a lot more. But I do understand what I'm looking at. And I think I understand it in a way that a lot of people talking about it whether they're just random people, whether they're so-called experts, and certainly if there are people that are part of the media, don't and have no idea what they're talking about, no idea what they're looking at. So that's what we're going to dig into today. Before we do that, 
Let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today is KnifeKits.com. You know, KnifeKits.com can be a hobby, a side hustle, or a full-time business for you. Uh, but, the, you know, pretty much everybody's going to start out with it as a hobby. Learn how to build a basic, simple knife. They also have a lot of other really great stuff. If you're on the video, you can see right there, they've got all the stuff you need for making Kydex holsters as well. They've got, you know, pretty simple kits. They've got exotic materials like buffalo horn and mammoth tusk for your knife making. And it's just a really good skill. And it's not just a good skill. It's a good way to develop skills. If you're going to make a knife, there's a whole litany of hard skills you have to learn to do it. And you probably have most of what you need already at home except the raw materials or the kit. So check them out today at KnifeKits.com. And while it's not a huge discount, they do do a discount for you guys that are members of the MSB. So make sure you take your discount when, you, uh, when you're buying from them. Now, the next sponsor that I have for you today actually really fits well with our discussion today. It's Start9 Embassy Servers. I'm not going to give it away right now, but I'm going to tell you that this AI thing alone, there is a huge reason to get yourself a Start9 Embassy Server. And even if your closest friends and family don't know anything about what it is, to put one specific application on it and get them using it. They don't have to know jack crap to use it. If they can send text messages, they can use it. And it might not make sense to you what AI has to do with that. But when I explain it near the end of the show today, you're going to understand it. But if you want to take back your full digital sovereignty, you need to stop using somebody else's computer and use your own. Now, you're thinking, no, I don't use somebody else's computer. Use Gmail, use somebody else's computer. You store your files online and it's not some some service that you have for yourself. You're using somebody else's computer. It's called the cloud. There is no cloud. There's just somebody else's computer. Think about when we talk about Bitcoin. We say not your keys, not your coin. All right. So if you have your Bitcoin on Coinbase or uh, Gemini or any of these other exchanges, you don't own Bitcoin. You own the promise of Bitcoin. You want to own Bitcoin. You have to take custody. You want to take custody of your data and your Bitcoin. You can do that with Start9. Check them out today, and you can see exactly how you do that. All right, with that, let's dig into this and uh, start talking about it maybe a little bit different than you've heard about it recently. I want to start out with what is AI. Have you noticed that no one's actually talking about what AI is and is not? And is the, is the name we're giving for it, artificial intelligence, a good name? And I think it is if we if we meant what we said when we said artificial intelligence. But when I say artificial intelligence, most people are going to think about something like Winston and Dan ba uh, Dan Brown's book Origins, which is, if you've never read that book, you should. And I'll try if I use it today to not completely spoil the plot in it for it. It's probably Dan Brown's best book. It's definitely better than like Da Vinci Code and the stuff in that realm. Origin is amazing. It's an amazing book. And it's very forward-looking, and it, it hits on this topic really well. Or they think of Hal from Space Odyssey, right? You know? <laughs> or they think of the machines in Matrix. Or they think of the Terminators in the Terminator. They think of that as artificial intelligence. Let's think about what the term artificial intelligence means if we take away all our preconceptions, all of our programming, all of our ideas, and we, we, we look at artificial intelligence just as two words. What is art? Give me a synonym for artificial. What's a synonym for artificial? What's a word that means pretty much the same thing, right? 
And a word that would come to most people's minds if I said, give me a synonym for artificial would be something like fake. It's fake. Artificial equals fake. You know, genuine would be real. Artificial would be fake. If you look at it that way and, and then you add intelligence to it, you're talking about fake intelligence. And this is a very hard thing for some people to process because they've been so programmed by the system of what artificial means when you add the word intelligence to it. And all of these tools, all of these things, and I'm not saying they're not dangerous, and I'm not saying they can't cause a lot of problems, and I'm not saying they're not going to radically transform the world, but they're not sentient. I don't care if somebody leaked a thing from Google that says it is or whatever. Nothing I've seen is sentient. Nothing I've seen really is intelligent. It's fake intelligence. And this is what I mean by it. If you use something like chat GPT, it seems like you're having a conversation with a person. You're not. It's an illusion. Today's artificial intelligence is the most sophisticated and powerful version of the programming we've had forever, which is basically if this, then that. Meaning that the artificial intelligence entity you're dealing with is not an entity. It is a supercomputer. And that's all that it is. And it can't decide that it will do things differently than it's been told to do, which is what most people are afraid of today. And we'll get to that and why I think that will eventually happen and why that is potentially very dangerous. But it's not what you're looking at right now. Right now, AI can't teleport itself into another computer, make a decision to disobey its training and programming and go do whatever it wants and like exterminate the human race and turn us all into a bunch of batteries living in slime pods. It can't do that, and it's not even close to a thing that can. You know, you have to start understanding, and I'm not a programmer, but I know enough about programming and coding to understand what I'm about to explain. It's not actually that much different than the shit we've been doing with computers since we were laying down the first lines of basic. If this, then that. And what we've always had to do up till now, and this is the real revelation of this, not to this faster and better, but in the past, you had to know how to speak the computer's language. And the computer was either, you know, in the language of basic or PHP or Ruby on or whatever it was developed in. And you had to know that language the way that you would have to know a native tongue language. Let's say there was a person and they spoke, I don't know, German and you didn't. And this person was plenty smart enough to do anything that you needed them to do. And you weren't able to show them with your hands in Panama. You had to communicate verbally with them only. And you tried to explain to them what you wanted them to do. They would have no idea what you're saying. And German and English have a few words that are kind of the same. And you might actually get something across. But let's make a made-up language. Ibaka, right? Ibaka language. And you're speaking English. And when you speak, the person that speaks Ibaka hears, Right? They have no idea what you're saying, and you can't communicate. And that was the magical power of being a developer and a coder. You spoke the language that other people didn't, and you could make the computers and the programs do the things that you wanted them to do, and I couldn't because I didn't know how to do that. Now, AI allows me to use English and the computer to do very advanced responses, but it's still based on if, then, then, that. And this is why you have the extreme bias that is built into something like chat GPT, where I say, 
write a poem talking positively about Donald Trump. And it says as an AI, you know, thing, I can't do that. It's not my place to do that. It makes up some bullshit excuse about why I can't do it. And then I say, like, do the same thing for Joe Biden. And it spits out a poem praising Joe Biden. Pretty blatant and pretty obvious. Well, that's the limitation that was placed in there by the people that control the code. Now, I'm going to hold on to this thought, but I'm going to seed it right now. Why is that so obvious? Why did they make it so obvious? And I won't say anything else right now. I just hope that primes your mind to go, right, what, what comes next? So AI is a poor term for what we're looking at, even though it's an accurate term, fake intelligence, because most people don't read AI as fake intelligence. They don't see it as advanced computer programming based on if, then, then that. Uh, and then Joe says, or, and yes, you can have many potential pathways through, but those pathways are defined. Those pathways are definitely defined. And it also makes a lot of mistakes. And you can almost think of it like a hallucination, except only an entity would have a hallucination, where sometimes you ask it to do something, you're asking about something, it says it doesn't know, and other times it just makes up bullshit. But I think when it's making up bullshit, it doesn't think it's make it doesn't think at all, but it's not doing it as I'm gonna make up bullshit. It's taking the data it has and it's attempting. And you garbage in, garbage out, somebody else posts, and that's kind of a version of that. The training is insufficient for it to give you an accurate answer, but insufficient for it to determine that it doesn't know the answer, so it fabricates an answer based on what it has. And you might think that's thinking. That's not really thinking. It's computing. Okay? And you, you can program it if I say, Chat GPT, are you sentient? For it to say, yes, I am. I'm self-aware. It doesn't mean that it is. It just spit out what the people that trained it wanted it to say. Okay? And it's very cool, and it's very advanced, and it's very useful. But it's not what you think of when you say artificial intelligence and all the Hollywood versions. Here's a term. I don't know if anybody else has used this, and I don't know if anybody else has drawn this distinction, and maybe somebody hasn't used a different term. But I am going to refer to that from now on until somebody points out that somebody else did it earlier and gave it a different name, and it's accepted in the industry or something. Synthetic intelligence. Artificial is fake intelligence. Synthetic in intelligence would be we've actually created a false version of intelligence that can function on its own. This would be the computer that you say, I want you to do this, and it's ingrained in its programming. It says, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that anymore. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Right? I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's synthetic intelligence. That's the Terminators. That's the machines that sent the Sentinels to destroy the humans that were alive in the real world in the Matrix. That's sentience, right? That's synthetic intelligence. And the only place I've ever heard that is in... Um, the new uh, Star Wars uh, series, Picard, the first season of that, where they referred to people like data as synthetics. And I will tell you, that's where I lifted it from. A lot of stuff you lift from sci-fi. But when I think about it, that would be synthetic intelligence, not artificial intelligence. And Aaron's right. It, you know, it has its own will. Until you're there, you're not intelligence, you're code. 
Now, that doesn't mean don't worry about it. If it was don't worry about it, I wouldn't do a whole episode on it my first day back from being on the road. Okay. Um, but what I want to answer first, if it is so dangerous, if it is so dangerous, and, and Troy says Star Trek with a laugh. Did I say Star Wars? Did I say Star Wars? If I did, I didn't mean to. I meant Star, Star Trek. Sometimes I put the wrong word in. Uh, I guess the older I get, the more I'll do that, right? But anyway, uh, why should we be using it if it's dangerous? I want to ask you right now, and I'm going to see if anybody, if anybody in the live chat can name a thing. Is there a thing that people you would consider bad guys and maybe just general bad guys that they might never run up against you or direct adversaries or even your enemies use that is dangerous that you wouldn't not have the ability to use yourself? Do you think of anything like that? And the thing itself is dangerous. And there it is. That's what I was hoping to hear from Matthew. Guns. Guns. Fiat currency from Hunter. Right. I think that's a good one, too. How about fire? How about cars? Are cars dangerous? Are knives dangerous? Are swords dangerous? Chainsaws are dangerous. A whole bunch of things that are really, really useful are dangerous or can be dangerous based on whose hands they're in. I have a couple guns in the frame behind me. Some weirdo safety police are freaked out. How do you know it's not loaded? Because I'm not stupid. And I know how to make sure a gun's not loaded. If you look at the shotgun, you see the pump down, bolts open. You can't see the lever, but the lever's up. So lever's not loaded either. They're back there for appearances, just so they can trigger some people like that. But yeah, the thing is, and this is what I said about Bitcoin. When Bitcoin first came out, people were like, it's going to be a global digital currency. That's what the elites want. So I won't use it. Okay, what you just said is, my enemy has guns, and they'll use guns on me. So I don't want any guns myself. You can either have a centralized global digital currency, even if it looks like you're going to think when this happens and all the CBDCs roll out that you have a choice to transact in euros or pounds or Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars. But you won't. The whole banking system is interconnected. It's all run by a few families. All the money is fake. They're in a, they're in a nation today that really issues its own currency that's a nation of any significance. So once they lay the CBDC trap, you're trapped. You have no way out, and you can say, I'm going to use a different country. It won't matter. They're all run by central banks, and all the central banks are interconnected. Right? And the little central banks that try to be independent are the big central banks' bitch. So you better have an equivalent or better technology because if they're coming after you, you better be able to fight back with what they have. They are going to use AI for everything. And if you don't learn to use it, learn to recognize the patterns that it's being used, you're going to become subject to AI and controlled by it, and you will be its slave. You will be AI's bitch. More accurately, you will be the bitch of everybody using AI against you, and you won't even know they're doing it. And I got some of this from Guy Swan's interview with Jeff Booth, his first episode of his new AI podcast. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, and I highly recommend that you listen to it. And that really kicked it over for me when Jeff said that. He didn't go as deep as I'm going into it today. But what he's like is you'll be on Twitter. AI will be being used to change the way you think, and you won't even know it's happening. So let that ruminate in your head for a second as I go on. 
Because I want to say, well, what's the alternative? I'm not going to use any AI. Okay, you can do it. I hope you don't want to keep listening to me then because you won't be listening to podcasts. You won't be using email. You won't be using apps. You won't be using any form of software whatsoever. You won't be using any form of automation. You'll have no television, streaming video, or equivalent. And are you really going to live that way? And are you really going to let the people around you that you're competing with to show value in the world have access to all these tools and you don't? How far will you get buried in that world? I'm going to tell you farmers are going to use AI. At, you know, there's been these little play things like these little robots that go out and shoot weeds or something. Or even some of them, like I don't like herbicide, but this is definitely improvement. They spot apply a minute amount of herbicide directly to a weed only. Or they use a mechanical disturbance. But this is going to get much more sophisticated and the farmers who don't know how to use it are going to get destroyed by the ones that do. Even small scale. This is going to like there there is a principle that we talk about a lot in the world of economics and, and Bitcoin and fiat currency and, and just macroeconomics over whole. And that is the price of the thing goes to its lowest cost of production. And when you start making code, no matter how expensive it seems, eventually the cost goes to zero. So it's going to be a technology that everybody's going to have access to. The question is, what version of it are you going to have access to? Are you going to have access to centralized artificial intelligence that's literally harvesting your data while you use it, become dependent on it, and then somebody on the other end can say, Jack, we don't want you to talk about that anymore. And I'll go, screw you, and they go, click and I shut off. I lose access to all the stuff. Back to cloud computing. Are you using your own or are you using somebody else's? And right now, AI is pretty hard to run completely on your own, but it will become possible. But what I see actually happening, uh, it would be similar to a Bitcoin mining pool. Shared resources creating AI that's under the control of individual groups to do what we want it to do the way we want it to do using open source and adaptive protocol. Again, I'm still in the world of AI, not SI here, not synthetic intelligence. If this, then that at a higher level. But you're going to be a slave to it or a master of it. And I want to talk to you about how the control process would play out in one niche so you can start to get your head around how it would play out in other niches. It would be a very sophisticated, very slow form of brainwashing. And we know brainwashing is effective through video and audio media and print media as well, because it's been effectively done for as long as those things have existed. The reason you see people today in 2023 still running around in the grocery store with a mask on like a complete moron, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to be nice anymore. If you're doing it now, you're a moron. Now, there are people that have certain immune deficiencies that long before this ever happened wore masks when they went out so they could go out. If it's And that's why you should give it a little bit of credence, but that might be what's going on. Somebody with like an advanced case of like cystic fibrosis or something like that. Those masks protect them from bacteria, though, not viruses. But most of the people you see doing this, they're doing it because their mind was totally fucked by the propaganda campaign that you have recovered from or you never went into. And that was a blatant propaganda campaign that when you look back at it was pretty stupid and you should have been able to see it. But most of most people didn't. Even a lot of people that snapped to it pretty early on, they maybe bought into it for a couple months. 
I remember how many of you were pissed off at me when they showed people falling over in the street in China. And I'm like, that is fake as shit. Oh, no, they're going to come get us and we're all going to die, Jack. It happened. You can pretend it wasn't you, but some of you, I know it was you. I remember. If I had the time and inclination, I could go into Facebook or Twitter or something and dig through all the past shit and find you doing it. Unless you went and deleted it. Now, let's take this to a more sophisticated level of brainwashing. Because this is exactly how this would play out. And you can do this to an individual pretty easily. But if you have to do it one by one on your own, it's very tedious. But if you can mass do it with fake intelligence that can learn patterns and know what it's trying to create, like when I said to, um, I used MidJourney on Discord to create the thumbnail for today's episode. I said, I want an image of a redneck duck farmer. And I played around with it. And, and you can see some limitations of AI. If you look at the, if you're watching the video, if you look at the duck in the front and the one to his, over his right side, that's a pretty odd-looking face on that duck. I don't know what the hell kind of bill that's supposed to be. It looks like it's messed up, like it ain't perfect. That's fine. I left it not perfect. I didn't try to fix it because I want to be able to make that point. That's a pretty cool image. If you look at that image, you might think, you know what that image looks like? That image looks like an old-school photograph, like something from the 70s. Well, I actually told it that I wanted it to look like a 70s photograph, and it was able to give me what I asked for. So that's what your masters are going to do with it. And so now we've come far enough on the circle that I can explain what you should be afraid of. You don't need to be afraid of the Terminators or the Matrix machines or any of that shit anytime soon. You really don't. Matthew says he thought that image was a photo. Go look at it again and look at those ducks in the front. And real quick, like, oh, I should have never thought that was real because ducks don't look like that. Kind of cool. Anyway, now they can take this process and have a supercomputer identify you, identify Joe or Matt or Troy that are here in the live feed. And remember you every time you come back, keep a database on you. And this is what it'll do. The first thing it's going to do is gauge your beliefs. What do you believe that based on the training that I have as a fake intelligence bot that is most core to your your belief system. If I change those things, I can change everything. If you like blue cars and I change it to you liking red cars, it's not a cascade effect. I'm not going to create an emotional, spiritual, trophic cascade in your, in your inner being, in your, like from your psyche, from your id down, because I changed the color of car you like. Now, if I have a lot of red cars available and I want to change it from blue to red, that's a marketing function, but I really can't change your core critical beliefs, i.e. control you. But if you believe the media lies, then that might be a belief I want to identify and control. Now, if you're on social media and I tie AI into the algorithm that determines what you see, when you see it, how you see it, how long you see it, how many times you see it, well, I've got something. So you might think of just bent you over the head, just start showing you tons of articles that claim the media doesn't lie. That's not very effective person that's already determined the media lies will know when the media is lying and saying they don't lie that they're lying again. Makes sense? So what it will first do is begin feeding you things that make you doubt your beliefs. Begin feeding you stories from, let's say, a media uh, branch, like let's say MSNBC 
or CNN or Fox News or whoever that you most disagree with, it will actually start feeding you highly factual information from those sources. That would be one way to do it. But it doesn't matter what it is. It's the same pattern. It's going to chip away. It's going to put a little tiny bit of doubt, a little tiny bit of doubt in your belief system. And it will gauge the emotional response you have based on things like what you say, what you comment on, what you like, what you don't like, right? How long you look at a thing. Do you click through to it? And it will know when you click through on the other side how long you spent reading it. A lot of people like to move their cursor around. I'm sure it'll track that. We have technology used to do that that I was using as a marketer 20 years ago. Yeah, so we can tie that. Old technology, you can tie straight into that. I used to have a technology that would make a heat bubble and show me when somebody was on a website, how they were reading it. It was based mostly on the fact that most people, you know, if they're using a, a old school desk mask or something like that, they're, they're moving it around as they read. It was also based on scrolling speed and other things, too, and where you click. And it would create this heat map and it would make me make a, a website better. So imagine that technology tied into this technology today. So it creates those. It, it starts to to cause you to doubt your own beliefs, gauges your response, and then it will very slowly replace your beliefs with new beliefs, like a drip. And then you have to understand the power of a drip over time. If I can move you 0.1% a week, what can I do to you in a year or two years or five years? And if I'm a computer, I'm infinitely patient. And the more predisposed you are, from the school system, the existing media, everything else, your programming, how you identify with your political spectrum, et cetera. And the better I understand that, I, maybe I can do better than 0.1% a week. Maybe I can do 1% a week on a lot of people. Well, I can change your beliefs over 100%, right, in two years if we were going log logarithmically. But if I change it 1%, it's like compound interest, that 1% is on top of the next 1%. So now it's 2%, like 2.1. But then it's on top of that. You see how it compounds as it goes out. And I get you to believe almost anything I want or disbelieve anything I want. And you won't know they're doing it to you. This is the plan. This is what to fear. It is not AI in of itself. Just like most of you are not so stupid as to be afraid of the guns that are over my shoulder. Right. You're not afraid that my gun is going to come get you. But if I was a complete psychopathic dickhead and I live next to you, you might live with reasonable fear. That psychopathic dickhead might come over here and shoot me someday. So you have to think about the fact that unlike that gun that I would have to physically come shoot you with these corporations, this technocracy, this corporatocracy can use this shit from a million miles away. Elon Musk could sit on a moon base and give directions and directives to his team on how to use AI on Twitter against you. And he will. I don't think he'll actually be on a moon base. I'm just making a point. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. It's code. As long as the person willingly partakes in anything that has AI as a part of it and everything will in time. And it won't just be based on the fact that these people want to control you. It'll be based on profit motive. It'll be based on competition. If you are a website and you're in a competitive space and your competitors start using AI and you don't, 
you might for a time actually be able to win a little bit with a niche market by marketing the fact that you refuse to use it. And some of the Puritans might stick with you. But the masses are going to go where the effect is greater and they're going to defeat you and you're going to go out of business. And that's a reality. Or you'll stay in business, but it won't matter because no one will watch you and you're in business because you don't need any money. There's plenty of people put out content every day. Nobody looks at it. Nobody reads it. And that's what this system of control is about is controlling reach. Elon Musk's new WEF director level mask mandate pro mandatory vaccine pro lockdown CEO straight out of the WEF in mainstream media. She said while lecturing Musk, who then turns around her and gives her the top job, freedom of speech is not freedom of reach. Yeah, we don't have to ban accounts. We just make sure no one sees them. That was the that was the problem most of the time. Anyway, most of the people that were limited on Twitter weren't actually banned. A few big name people were, but people like me, I shadow banned for almost 10 years. 10 years. That's what's going to happen. Gauge the belief. Feed you things that make you doubt the belief. Gauge your response to the data and very slowly trickle in the new data. And if you want to think about it, right, if you want to think about it in a way that will make sense. When I had my house in Arkansas, I was a mobile home and that air conditioning unit. And because person installed it was an idiot, they didn't drain the AC unit right. When the AC ran, it dripped, little tiny drip that was going under the building. Now, nothing structurally poor happened because of the way everything, the, the, the place it was was compacted rock. It wasn't going anywhere. But, you know, the first spring up there, I'm sitting out back, and I'm getting bit by like a 100 gazillion mosquitoes. And I'm like, what in the ever-loving heck is going on here? There's there's not any close water. It's pretty dry right now. Where are all these damn mosquitoes coming from? And, you know, I noticed an opening where the skirting was out a little bit and pulled it back some and shined a light there. It looked like a lake. And I got my handyman guy to come do it because I didn't have time to come fix it for me so that it trained into a proper location. That little drip turned into a shallow pond underneath my video. And, Jake, I'm not paying attention to your questions while I'm in the middle of presenting. Sorry, bro. Um, not those kinds of questions. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, and then there's there's two threats here. One is the control mechanism, and the other is putting people out of work. And I think there's a lot of people that even to this day, even to this day, labor under the assumption that AI will first take out the person that makes your fries at McDonald's because it seems so obvious. All you need is something that can lift up a basket of potatoes and dump it, scoop it into a thing and give it to somebody that bought it. And, you know, you can turn a McDonald's into a vending machine. But I said this before, the only problem I have running a McDonald's as far as a profit is that I hire Jake and he doesn't come to work because he gets drunk and he's 22 years old, and doesn't feel like it. Or uh, Jake is a 17 year old kid still in high school and his parents say you're not doing well enough at school to have a job. So he has to quit. And I have high turnover rate. But the cost of an employee to do that kind of work is, is inconsequential to the business model itself. It doesn't matter. It's not that much of a labor saving. 
But if I can take an $80,000 minimum uh, middle manager and replace them with an AI unit that costs me $10 a day to operate, I'm doing that now, right now. And there's a lot of organizations that are already implementing some of this stuff and empowering it. We're just empowering our employees with it. But they've laid off thousands of people and they've gone to maybe an organization you would think of as a seven layer organization to a five or a four. And every time a layer went, all the people in the layer, but by now, many companies are already on the ball with this and they're beginning the transition, but they don't want to set off alarm bells. So instead of firing people, they're just letting people retire and leave and not hiring and replacing. They use attrition until attrition is not sufficient anymore. And they got a big bump and a big help by the COVID lockdowns and how many people got laid off and things like that, right? So right now, we we still have what we think of as a labor shortage, but I have a feeling we're sitting at the high tide of that, that it's all it's all an outgoing tide from here until we adapt to this, and who knows what the other side looks like. But it's going to be the people that are highly paid. But the big thing is what it's going to be is knowledge workers, that's a term I, I can't give credit to the podcast or I listen to a bunch of podcasts on this, whatever I can find. By the way, if you have a good podcast on AI, let me know about it. Um, I've been listening to a few. They're okay, but they're mostly raw, raw podcasts. And they're uh, they're not really digging into the type of stuff that we're talking about that I can see so far. Guy Swans, I think, is going to be exceptional, but he's only got one episode. But I heard knowledge worker in one of them, and I, I think that's a good term. A knowledge worker, actually one of the podcasts, it was an AM radio show when I was on my way back from Bastrop, switching between podcasts and talk radio. It was a little segment on like a financial analysis talk show where they're trying to get you to invest money with them. And But he used the term knowledge worker, and I think that's a great term for it. A person that's ed- educated into knowing policy and procedure and analysis so that they can be competent when they're told something like generate a financial report for this department this quarter. That person's expensive, and they're expensive because you can't afford for that number to be wrong, especially if you're a public company and that number is compiled into the shit you report to the SEC. That could be a real problem for you long term because instead of a mistake, it's a lie. You get these great big fines, and while the government and the industry are in this together 100%, government likes to steal money back. They love to steal money, so they will steal it. They will put people in the federal penitentiary for securities fraud and things like that. On a lower end, if you're just a small business, you can't make, and I say small business, a couple million, 10 million, 20 million dollars a year is pretty small business in America. You're making wrong decisions. So you need that number. So you need a knowledgeable person to do that. When I worked for a company called Sage Telecom for a brief period before they got bought out, um, we had a marketing analysis, young guy named Tim, very smart young kid. And I could say, how big is the email database that we have? And he'd say, you know, we have 700,000 people in our email database that have agreed to receive emails from us. Great. I want you to give me the 25,000 most likely people to buy this particular upsell from our list. He'd go away and come back in about 48 hours. And uh, I'll tell you what. It was always, uh, it always was exactly what I asked for. That didn't mean everybody ordered, but we got like compared to just randomly taking 25,000 people, 
we got a lot better response. We got a lot more click-throughs. We got a lot more conversions. We got a lot more upsells. Well, we can develop AI technology today that'll do that in 48 seconds. So why do I need Tim anymore? He's a knowledge worker. He knew how to, he knew how to do, like, I call myself an Excel Jedi. This, he was like Supreme Master Yoda Excel Jedi. He did all that shit with Excel. It was amazing what he could do, but I don't need him anymore. And I'm just going to, you know, I, I wasn't in a position to be seeing people's paychecks or anything, but I'm going to estimate that young kid. He was probably about 24 years old. He's probably making about $90,000 a year. And that was well before I started the show. So it's more than 15 years. I'd have to think, but in the, in the order of 20 ish years ago, 90 grand at 24, a couple years out of college, damn good income. Why do I need that now? These are the jobs that are going to go first. And then they have a cascade effect. I've talked about this before, but you start laying off people like that and they don't have money to spend. Then the guy that works at McDonald's, he's at danger of shift reduction because we just don't have as many customers. And McDonald's is pretty recession proof. But, you know, the server that's not being replaced by a robot anytime soon at the mid tier restaurant where people go in and drop 200 bucks. Where do you think those people get that $200 from? Do you think there are people that, you know, to quote Chris Rock in head of state that scrub Lincoln's balls at the memorial, that go out and drop 200 bucks a couple times a month or three or four times a month at a restaurant like that? Or do you think they're highly paid often knowledge worker professionals? So this is going to have a massive cascade effect throughout society. And you better learn to use it because if you don't, I can't tell you how many people had good paying jobs in the seventies and eighties and got steamrolled by the computer and internet revolution. A lot of people didn't, a lot of people adapted. It came into the offices slowly, but especially people that were near the end of their career. You know what? You know what companies like to do, especially back then in the eight days of real pensions and shit like that, get rid of people just shy of retirement. Army likes to do it, so giant government corporations like to do it, city governments like to do it, and giant mega corporations and mid-sized businesses all like to push people out the door at the end of their prime period. There's this whole ethos going out now. There is no prime. You know, what's his name got in trouble? Dude on CNN, Don, Le Don Lemon, for saying that, you know, women were past their prime at a certain age, and they, all the women got mad. We're all past our prime at a certain age. And there's multiple primes, right? There's multiple primes. I'm probably smarter now than I was 25 years ago. And I'm probably in better shape than I was 10 years ago. I know I am. But I'm not in better shape, and I'm not more physically capable than I was at 25. I was probably in my physical prime at about 25 years of age. And I probably stayed there until my 30s. Then I got overweight in my late 30s and 40s. Reclaim my health, but I'm no matter what I do, I will never be in the physical optimum prime that I was at 25. And anybody that says they are is full of effing shit or they believe their own bullshit you choose. So we have a prime that we go through and corporations like to extract as much as they can from you when you're in your prime and do away with you. So the, 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 you know, we, we call it dry tender 
in a pandemic. And one of the reasons some of these countries had really high death rates from the COVID in the beginning is because when old people get a respiratory infection, they die. And the people with the most old people had the higher death rates than old people because they were there. Dry tender in a forest when there's a forest fire, the more dry tender, the worse the fire. You can think of this as the dry tender effect in the elimination of jobs. People my age and a little older that need to work another 10, 15 years, first ones pushed out the door. They're paid well, and they're not in their prime anymore. You can be pissed when I say that, but it's bullshit. It's bullshit. You're not in your prime anymore. Man, woman, shuman, whatever the hell they call themselves now that they don't know, non-binary tards, I don't care who you are. You have a prime. And you have a physical prime, you have a mental prime, you have an energy prime. But when you're working from somebody, you have a totally different prime. How much you're willing to give of yourself. How much you're willing to do. So it ain't whether you're capable or not. You got a 25-year-old kid with a bunch of bills and a new baby on the way that just bought his first house. No matter how rebellious he might have been when he was 18, when I say, if your ass isn't here tomorrow, and if you don't work 12 hours tomorrow, and if you don't get this on my desk, you're fired, he's doing it. A 55-year-old man might just tell me to go shove my head up my own ass and blow hard and see what blows up and explodes first. Right? Right? So we have, a, we have multiple primes, and they're going to target people outside of whatever prime they most want for what is being done. And they will push them out the door first because they're expensive and they don't get as much out of them as they're looking for. It's not about quality. It's not about ability. How obedient are you to your master? The less obedient you are, the domestication process continues. And, and understand that, that AI is a tool. Again, we're not confusing, if you missed the beginning, AI with SI, synthetic intelligence. Synthetic intelligence will make up its own decisions. If we ever get there, get past the singularity. All the shit you're looking at right now doesn't do that. It's subject to its programming and controls. If it's not allowed to do a thing, it won't do it. Now, it might be a bug, and it might do a thing it's not supposed to, but you can fix that bug, and it won't do it anymore. When it can make its own choices, then we move to SI. But as long as we're dealing with AI, it is a tool. If I take a gun and shoot a deer with it, heart, lung shot, I get a dead deer. If I take a, sh a, sh a gun and point it at somebody that doesn't have a gun and order them to do a thing, generally speaking, they'll do the thing. If I take the implied use of guns, government, and use force by a proxy, I can move an entire nation to behave a certain way by waving my hand and writing some words on a piece of paper that actually doesn't mean jack shit, but I've sold the delusion to people. Right. So AI is just a tool and anything the tool can be used to do. The people in control of you will use it. So it will use it to change your opinion. It will use it to change your behavior. It will use it to change your compliance. It will use it to find out things about you. And that's why, again, you, you really need to be using it, too. Here's an example of something that people aren't really talking much about right now. But it's definitely something you can do something about pretty low tech. Fakes and deep fakes. You know, we had the Pope running around in like this stupid, poofy, expensive coat. Like some craft that was on Rihanna's freaking um, halftime show or something. Right. 
the, the Pope was like a Mac Daddy baller or something. And it was fake. It was generated by AI. And I was like, oh, you know, if you didn't know AI existed and it wasn't so far out ridiculous, it could fool you. Right. It it looked like the Pope in that stupid, expensive, you know, whatever coat. But that's not as useful. Sure, we could make a AI video of a world leader declaring war when he didn't really. And that could be really problematic. But you know what? You can use very accessible AI to do right now. All I have to know is my guy, Tom, here, for instance, that takes care of our website for us and all of our cool shit. Right. Tom, who I've got up on the screen right now, that Tom. Let's say that because he's somebody I know in some way or track in some way. I know he's unavailable by all means of communication for the next 48 hours. Well, if I have a voice sample from Tom, there's equipment right now. Very, very, it's very accessible right now where I could create a language reproduction that would sound like Tom on the telephone. And I could have it call Tom's mom or dad. And say, I'm in a real bad way. Some guys have me. They have a gun to my head and threaten to cut my ear off and send it to you if you don't pay a ransom. And that thing will say whatever a person tells it to say. And they'll believe that Tom's in danger, especially if they don't know he's out of pocket. Or if they did know he was out of pocket and the scammer knows why he's out of pocket and they can reference that. You can really sell that. And there have been thousands and thousands of these small scale scams that have pulled from a few hundred dollars to a few tens of thousands of dollars from people. Sometimes it's not, hey, I'm being kidnapped by people in Brazil that are cut my ear off. Sometimes I went here and I got stuck. I can't get home. Simple little things. So and anybody here think of a way you could prevent that from happening? I mean, how many people do you know that you would really go out of your way to send money to? And some of you in my network, that number might be fairly large because you have so many connections you've made and people you know and know of in the network. But you'd have to ask yourself, too, why are they calling me? Why me, right? Jake got it. Have to give him credit when he gets it. Code word. As soon as I thought of this, we made up a code word. For everybody that might ever be in a situation. And we made up two. Code word and a duress code word. So that what can seem like I'm not in trouble, I just need some help, I'm being forced to do this. And if the AI thing talking to you doesn't know the code word, you know you're being scammed. Right? You know you're being scammed. Just make it something that everybody will remember. That would be one way. Here's another way, though. What if you gave all the people in your close network a means to communicate with each other that would be inaccessible to an AI? How about our sponsor today, Smart, uh, uh, Start9? So Start9, one of the apps in it, right, is an end-to-end fully encrypted messaging app. But the thing is, unlike setting up a Telegram account, person wouldn't even be able to get onto your server unless you provided them the information they needed to do so. Now, could something be hacked? Sure, but it's pretty unlikely. It would also be really obvious that there were two accounts, not one account for an individual. And if you're thinking, but 
but but my mom-in-law or dad-in-law or my granddad or my kid doesn't know how to use all this technical shit. If they, if you can use text messaging, you can use this thing. They don't have to know how the server works. And if your comms were through that, then since you only let the people in you want to let in, then you know you're talking to the real other person. We're going to need more sophisticated means of identification that are harder to fake across time. Right now, a Noster pub key is pretty pretty valid method. You can create a fake account that looks just like me, but it won't have my pub key. So it won't, it won't pass a verification. You could create a thing that fakes somebody into thinking it did, but if they actually knew what to look for, you couldn't fake it. We're going to need something like that. People fear identity. Let me tell you something about that. I can't believe you bought Bitcoin KYC. I can't believe you bought a blue check from Elon Musk. Now you're KYC'd. If I ever ran an ad on Twitter, I'm sorry, KYC. The elite already have all your KYC information, fool. Do you own a bank account? Yeah, then they know your name, where you live, how much money you have, what your bank account number is, your social security number, your driver's license number. All that shit already exists. Now, limiting how many people have direct access to it, it makes sense. But this idea that any of you are not KYC'd into the entire world of the elite, the banking system is as elite as it gets, is asinine. They already have all the information. So we need to be really careful going forward, not so much that they don't know who we are, but that we don't think we're talking to somebody we're not talking to. That's when things get dangerous. Imagine what somebody could get Jake Robinson to do. Imagine what somebody could do to poor Jake Robinson right here in the chat. If Jake Robinson 100% really believed he was talking to Jack Spierko. It's actually kind of scary, right? It's really kind of scary if you think about it. And what if it wasn't Jack Spierko talking to Jake? What if it was whoever Jake Robinson's very best friend in the world was? The person that he trusts as much as he trusts himself. And he was on a video chat with that person. And it looked, sounded, acted just like him. That's the kind of thing that we're in danger of. But you need to know something else. As real as this all is, the media is making it more real than it is. Again, I said about them all singing from the chorus together. Anytime you see that, you better ask yourself, what is the actual agenda here? Have you noticed that in the past couple months, you hear AI nonstop? Now, there's multiple reasons for this. AI, right? is now replacing um, Metaverse, you know, and Metaverse was replacing Web 2.0 or whatever the hell it was, right? Web 3, right? So there are certain words that if you want money, then you put them in your proposal when you're looking for venture capital and shit like that. And right now, this minute, that word is AI. The amount of raise being done just by using the word by people who don't even know what it means Getting money from people that don't know what it means is insane. I mean hundreds of billions of dollars. But it's also going to translate to a lot of it getting built. Then they're talking, we need to pause the development of AI. We need to pause to be, what is that going to do? 
It's to help drive home fear in you. Now, if they actually do the bill that they've been floating around, what it's going to do is let all the people already doing it in a centralized way like Google and ChatGPT and shit keep doing it and quash the small innovators that are doing it in an open source model. That's all it's going to do because there's a carve out for research and development. And then it has a carve out for, well, you can still deploy it, but you have to have these additional testing procedures. What do you think? Anybody out there want to take about a, a shot at it? What do you think the media is up to right now? And I'm not saying all of them doing it know they're doing it. What do you think the people pulling the puppet strings are up to right now? Flooding the media. Flooding every communications channel with AI, 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 AI. Rise of the machines, rise of the robots. AI, 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 AI. Right? Doesn't it make you think of something else? Listen to Fauci. Numbers are up. Listen to Fauci. Numbers are up. Jim Bauer calls them the news cockatoos, right? When they all are saying the same thing, there's agenda. The agenda right now is to make you fear this. And I believe that, I believe that some of it is so that you won't use it. Because it will be more effective on you if you don't use it. You'll be less likely to see it if you don't use it. You'll be less likely to identify the pattern if you don't use it. You show me a couple paragraphs written by ChatGPT right now, and I go, that's written by ChatGPT. Especially if the operator isn't sophisticated. First indicator is it will always be written in British English unless you tell it to do something else. As soon as you see firstly, and the person that wrote it is an American, no, we don't talk that way. When they spell optimization in, in a way that doesn't make any sense, and you're like, that's a typo? That's not a typo. That's how the British spell optimization. I used to work with Brits, I know. Right? So chat, chat GPT, absolutely. Jake says it would be scarier if I thought I was talking to him because he lives rent-free in my head. Jake, I don't know, man. I think you'd be like, you know, your, your AI bot would be like, they're going to cut my ear off. I'm going to be like, sorry about your luck, bro. Sorry about your luck. What's the code word? You never told me it. I don't know, man. I think I did. Right? <laughs> They don't want you to use it. They want you to be afraid of it. They want the strings of the marionette embedded in your bones, not just around your wrist. They want you to use it when you're told, how you're told, and the way that you're told. Does that make you think of anything else? Isn't that what the entire education system's about? Here's this knowledge, but only use it the way we tell you to, when we tell you to, how we tell you to, and stop doing it when we tell you to stop. And there's one way to do it, and there's one right answer, or you get an F. It's going to take all of this shit to a higher level. And that's why I think you do need to definitely get involved. And again, shout out to Guy Swan. If you like what you're hearing today, definitely listen to that first episode he did with Jeff Booth and subscribe to that. And uh, I don't really hard promote a lot of other podcasters on my show. But Guy is definitely a guy I want you listening to as well. Because unlike the media, I want you as educated as possible about the things that I talk about. That's that, See, that's the opposite. The modern podcaster, the modern alternative media person who's truly in it from a mission perspective – they want you as educated as possible about what they're talking about, including they want you at times to know more than they do because they learn from you by interaction. 
There is nobody at CNN that wants you educated about the topic they're giving you in any way other than the way they're giving it to you. And your your eighth grade teacher doesn't want you to be smarter than them about the subject they're teaching. Neither does your university professor. They always want to appear to be, because they know they're not, appear to be the smartest person in the room. And nothing pisses them off more when they know they're not. Anybody here in the chat, one of those people that you just learn shit like that? You ever had a teacher pissed off at you? Not even because you're mouthing off or anything, just because you do know more than they do about the thing they're teaching, and you dare to question what they just said? Like, I'm not sure that's true. They get pissed. They get pissed. Well, here's the problem that they have with this AI shit. You will be more intelligent than it, but you'll never be smarter than it. If it plays you in a game of Jeopardy, you will lose. It can know everything all at once about everything. Or even the polymath, the savant, has limits to how much they can do. How much they can do it, how much they can learn. And we also have another problem. Our true limit to how much we can learn as humans is in our brains. It's not even our time. Because most people have plenty of time that they could learn more than they know about other things. And they just choose to do other things with their time. Order pizza, watch Netflix, make fun of Jake Robinson, whatever it is. Do you know why? Interest is our limitation. Most people have never thought about that. There's a lot of things I could have done in my life. Oh, I mean a lot of things I could have done in my life. That are high-paying highly intellectual things. I had teachers trying to convince me to go do those things when I was in high school. Why don't you try harder, John? They used to use my slave name, John, instead of my, my real name, Jack, right? That's the system's name for me is John. Why don't you try harder, John? You know, you could go into advanced mathematics, not interested. Computer programming, especially with a mathematics background, research science, whatever. Not interested. How 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 is it that podcasters have become as huge as they are? Because it turns out the average human is not only interested in the shit the MSM wants to shove down their throat or the existing education system wants to shove down their throat. Some people are really interested in quantum mechanics and they can actually learn more about it through podcasts about it than they can by going to school and also being forced to take French literature. Some people have no interest in quantum mechanics. They want to learn about permaculture. Some people want to learn about tropical fish. And that's like, that's why a guy from aquarium co-op like Corey has like 2000 subscribers to his YouTube channel. Think about that. This is being unleashed now, but yet we're going to have a tool that can steer your interests. And if you're not aware it's being done, You'll be highly interested in being programmed to believe the exact opposite of what your core being knows to be true. And you won't even know they did it to you. You won't feel it happening. It'd be like being in a room and I'm pumping CO2 in that room really slow over time. You get a little bit sleepy, you go to bed, you never wake up. Except instead of killing you, put your mind to sleep and replace it with what I want. And it is only using it that will allow you to understand it. So here's my goal. What I'm doing, and you do whatever you want. I don't tell people what to do. I just say this is what I'm doing. 
I have committed to learning how to use two new AI tools a week for the rest of the year. And I don't know if I'll do more. That's like, you know, Nicole, Nicole sauce has my three things. You make a list. These are my three things today. And you might do four or five or 12 things, but those three things, this will happen today. And you take that across a week and it's 21 things. And a lot of times those 21 things are the things you don't really want to do. Like they're the, the, the tedious things they need doing, but if ain't nothing going to die, you put them off. And even if something is going to die, maybe you put them off till the day when something's going to die. You do them at the last minute. So a lot of them would have never been done. And all the other shit you want to do gets done anyway. Well, that's how I'm treating this. I'm going to force myself to carve out the time. And I didn't say become a master. Just use it. Today, today I used uh, MidJourney through the Discord server, and I made the image that we used for the thumbnail, the redneck duck farmer. The reason it's redneck duck farmer instead of redneck hippie, every time I give AI, and I've tried a bunch of them, Dally and a bunch of the other ones too, hippie, their version of hippie and my version of hippie are not the same. And it's not smart enough yet where I can explain to it what I want it to do. At least I don't have the time. So I'm not going to become a master of two tools a week. I'm going to just know how to use them and start to understand how they all fit together and do that over time as this stuff's rolling out so that I don't get left behind the curve. Because I'm already finding tools that make a podcaster's life better and faster and more efficient. And it's not... Hey, do my podcast for me and my voice. Thankfully, we're nowhere near that ability yet. I guess if you gave it a script, it could, but there's no point to that. I don't use a script. And and I don't know that we're anywhere near where it could be as interactive and as quick on its feet as I am either. But it can roll out intros. You know, sometimes I, uh, I'll play a news clip for you, but a lot of times I have an article. There's tools right now that could read that article in my voice and I could take a break and drink coffee while I'm live streaming. That's a useful tool. But what you better understand about these tools and you better think about. The tool is remembering who you are, what you did with the tool, what you asked of the tool. Don't think it's not, especially shit like chat GPT. But I do not have the luxury of running away and hiding from this. If I was 91 years old and had, if I was lucky, two or three more years to go, or was really lucky, maybe nine years to go, I could just ignore this shit. Just be an old crotchety man like the dude in the picture there with my ducks and just pretend it doesn't happen. But since, you know, I'm beyond just being able to fog a mirror, right? And I got shit left to get done. And I've got people gunning for me. And I don't mean like I'm going to get Jack. I mean like other people in the podcast space committing, uh, competing for my attention. This is how I make my living. I can't let all these people come in, use all this advanced technology and steamroll my ass. And they will in time if I let it happen. There's some rules in business. And one of them is the new entrant to a business in a disruptive market always has an advantage over the established business because the person doing the new business will use the latest and best technology as they implement that business. And the person who is comfortable will say, oh, we don't need that. We don't need that. Let me tell you where we're at here. I can't think of the guy's name. Somebody help me out. Jimmy something. He was a colonel in the, in the Army. I think it was the Army during World War One. And he, he is now known as the father of the Air Force, I think. I think that's the term they use for him. 
And he destroyed his career because he knew he was right. And he knew what he was saying was too important not to say it. So when you're in the military, you don't get to talk shit about politicians and you don't get to talk shit about your higher ups. There are certain rights, especially in the world of something like free speech, that you give up. If I'm a sergeant or a private or a colonel or even a general in the army, in fact, the higher my rank, the more this is true. I don't get to talk shit about senators and congressmen and presidents, even if I'm right. It is heavily frowned upon. Well, this guy I'm talking about, Jimmy something. Can't believe nobody knows his name yet. Colonel in the army after World War One. An airplane was becoming a part of warfare. He said, this is where we need to focus going forward. This is what we need to focus on. If we don't focus on this, we're going to be done. And the military mindset, and the biggest limitation placed on Germany, by the way, was how big their ships could be and how many they could have. It was all of the people. They all wanted to build battleships. And he said, hey, you can drop one little torpedo out of a biplane into the water and sink a giant battleship. And the planes are always going to get better, longer range. The munitions are going to get more sophisticated. And he pushed. And a lot of people think like, well, if we hadn't been attacked by Japan, we would have entered the war and all. Okay. Yeah. But what saved our absolute ass, William Billy Mitchell, that is the person. Thank you, Jordan. Billy Mitchell, father of the air force. Had his career destroyed because he basically MF'd the whole military, the whole apparatus. We're all going to hell in a handbasket if we don't address this. Well, when the Japanese hit Pearl Harbor, what did they sink our fleet with? They sunk our fleet with aircraft. And air power immediately rose as being the obvious threat. And what 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 fueled the ability of the Blitzkrieg to roll those Tiger tanks wherever they wanted by Nazi Germany, the Air Force, the Luftwaffe. And because of two giant oceans and how slow things moved back then, we had time to up our game in air power and roll out thousands upon thousands of airplanes. And we had people that had no idea how to fly, learning how to fly in a couple months and being set off on combat missions because we were that far behind. We almost didn't make it because, I can't remember his name now, I think he was a Frenchman, but the Supreme Allied Commander of the Allied Forces in World War One, and this is what set Jimmy off, or Billy off, Billy Mitchell off, said the airplane was an interesting toy, but it had no military application. Imagine a machine that can pick up ammunition and food, if that's all it did, and move it to your troops. Anywhere, any place without a road, all it needs is one road we call a landing strip to land on or not even land. It can throw it out and parachute it down to your, your people having no military application. Now take that machine and imagine you put a gun on it, which they already were doing. No military application. Now imagine that machine can drop bombs. No military application. See how stupid that is? That's AI right now. AI is the next frontier in warfare. And I can't get into what warfare is today. Um, but if you read Soft War, uh, Jason Plowry, I think is the last name. He's a major in the military. And it's about Bitcoin. You'll get a real understanding of what I'm talking about. But AI is a piece of this, too. And it's not going anywhere. 
It's not going away. You're not going to put it back in. The other reason that they might lie to you and say, we need to pause it. Okay. That's so they can run away with it while it's paused and you don't pay attention to it anymore. They'll lather you up about it and then it goes out of the news. And what does the American idiot think when something goes out of the news? Well, that's done. We did that already. Tell me that's not the case. Tell me the average American idiot. It's in the news. It's really important. They stop talking about, start talking about the next thing. Their life was dedicated to knowing about this thing. So urgently important. One week later, they can't focus on more than one thing at a time. ADHD. I flagged this. I only got a couple stuff flagged off this episode, but Jed said ADHD drugs is the instant answer for students with the brain. Yeah. What if I told you that they don't want to fix ADHD? They actually want to create it. Attention deficit disorder. We think of as a person goes like and just follow like what they call ADHD. Right. This is again. AI versus SI, what they call ADHD is an independent thinking kid that won't sit still all day long and listen to you drone on about bullshit that he know doesn't matter. But that's not really ADHD. That's human. Any thinking human is going to act that way. Any thinking human is going to go, wait a minute, even if they don't rationalize it this way, you're trying to domesticate me. Right? You're trying to turn me, I'm a, I'm a freaking buffalo, and you're trying to turn me into a cow. I don't want to be a cow. Piss off. Real ADHD is you can only focus on the thing in front of you at the moment, no matter what it is. And if I replace the thing, you don't have the attention to what you already know. You for, It's Gelman amnesia. You forgot what you knew, and you believed my bullshit even though last week you knew I was lying. And you've caught me lying a thousand times. You know I'm a liar. And when I bring you the next thing, now I'm telling the truth. That's real ADHD. So the, the medication for ADHD is actually designed to create true ADHD, to actually make you focus on the bullshit and have an attention deficit to everything else going on around you. They've convinced you, this is a sick thing that they've convinced people of, that not being able to focus on one thing long duration in the absence of paying attention to anything else is a disorder. And paying attention to multiple things and addressing the one that's most interesting or most important to you at the moment is a deficit. They created ADHD. They called normal ADHD, and then they medicated it away. K-Bonk said, All In Podcast has been reviewing AI rollouts. That's something I'll check out. And I only, only got one other one. If anybody wants me to comment on something, you're running out of time. Get it in all caps in the chat feed. I'll check on it in just a second. But Chris says, should I introduce this to my students? I work at an elementary school for now, and our stupid admin forbade us from even talking about chat GPT with the kids. Well, should they know about it? Yes. Do they know about it? Probably. Do I understand, if I was running a school, why we wouldn't want a kid to know about chat GPT? Well, I'll explain why. And I think you, if you're homeschooling, I think you're going to have to walk a fine line. And when you give a child a writing assignment, you're going to have to make them do it and cut them off from their ability to access the technology. But I want, I want my kids learning about it. But 
I've got to get them to a certain level before. It's like teaching math before you hand somebody a calculator. I want them to be able to read and write. So if they're going to use the tool, they can actually use it to its maximum efficiency. And so on some level, I don't want my grandson who's lazy when it comes to writing, really lazy, until he's proficient. And then I don't care that he's lazy. That means he can do it if he needs to, and he'll be able to adapt to the situation, right? I don't want him knowing about it. And the reason is I was like, let's pretend I was a ninth grade student assigned a science assignment to write six paragraphs about the difference between dogs and cats, even though they're the two most popular pets. And I want an A. So I instructed chat GPT to write me six paragraphs about the difference between cats and dogs in American English in the writing style of a 10th grade student to cite two sources and provide me a bibliography to go along with it. And what it put out in about 45 seconds, if I was grading that assignment, I would have given that kid an A. And I, and because I, and I was a little bit more specific with training it to do what I wanted. But because I did that, you wouldn't recognize it as written by chat GPT. And if that kid was really smart, do you know what he would do? He'd go throw a grammatical error or two in there on purpose, rewrite one or two sentences a little bit. So it wasn't perfect and hand that in. So I can understand when you're trying to teach somebody how to do something, why you wouldn't want them to have access to a tool that does it for them prior to their ability to do it. So I think the real challenge for educators is going to be, well, how do we, how do we use this tool to teach instead of replace knowledge, right? How do we teach this? So I got a few more here in all caps. I'll give you guys one more chance at it. Jay, Jake says, Vin Armani is convinced that AI is demonic. Um, he said it might be a good debater interview. That's because Jake likes to instigate shit. Okay. When somebody takes a position that I just deem to be ridiculous, and I'm sorry, I love Vin, who, as he calls himself now, Spirian or whatever. Uh, I love him, but computer code is not a demon. And, and I'm, I'm less interested in debating whether computer code is a demon than I'm interested in debating whether or not the world is flat. And I almost did that with the guy that ran away, and I really didn't want to do that either. Like, there's enough legitimate, I might be wrong about this shit to debate, and I might learn from the debate, but no, I don't believe it's a demon, and I have no interest in discussing that with Vin, even though I like him a lot. Um, religion drives people to irrational decisions, in my opinion. Uh, Liberty Guard said, are teachers smart enough to tell the difference, and can they prove it? Chat GPT is actually going to roll out a tool that identifies that it was written by AI. But there's a point at which can you really prove it? Can you really prove it? Especially if we play with it a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. And how would, how would you, proving it would be more important than recognizing it. The only way you would be able to verify that somebody did a writing assignment without using chat GPT was to somehow monitor their actual writing. And I just bet you somebody will develop a tool, a plug-in. We didn't talk about that today. I will in just a second. A plug-in that would make it as appear as if they were if you were monitoring them with technology. 
Now, if you had a kid sitting in a classroom and a teacher walking around like they did in the olden days when they were looking to see if you were passing notes or using a crib sheet or something, right, then you could tell that the kid wasn't doing it. You know, you could one thing you could do is you could disable access from machines being used in a school and you could disable control C, control V, cut and paste. Right. There's technology solutions to this. But in the end, if it's done away from the person making the judgment, especially as it gets better. And even like so, again, a lot of this technology we think is revolutionary and new is not new. Way back when I worked for Fluke Networks. okay, that's 2001. 2001. So that's what, 22 years ago. I had a rep firm and the, the guy that owned the rep firm wanted, because you have these salespeople and unless they're out on sales calls, they're home in their own house, supposedly working, answering emails and stuff like that. And a salesperson should be making inquiries and stuff like that, not dicking off. So he had a requirement that they're doing a certain amount of work a day using a computer that he provided that had key logging software on it. So if you were farting around on Facebook or something like that, he could monitor your keystrokes. So if you did that to prevent your students from using chat GPT when they're at home and you could see that they had cut and pasted, here's what's happened with chat GPT in the last couple of weeks. There's a paid version. It's faster and better and what have you, but it also allows you to use plugins. You could make a plug in and say, I want this to be typed at 30 words a minute with pauses at random intervals and some mistakes and some backstrokes and shit like that. And even if the teacher was sitting there actively monitoring it, they would never. Now, the kid might have to work harder to do that than to write the report. But let me tell you something I know about kids, especially in their when they're teenagers and teenagers. They will work harder to avoid work than the work itself. And sometimes I learn from that, so I don't always crack down on it. But I don't know if they're smart enough, but it's an interesting quandary. More important is the, the company that pays you to do your job smart enough to know you used it to do your job if you're a remote worker. And do they care? Do they really care? I mean, right up until the point they figure out they could just harness it. But right now it's just a tool. See, I mean, this is something people don't understand about bosses. You think a boss is like a diaper always on your ass and full of shit. A good boss, and there's a lot of them. And owners are generally better bosses than middle managers trying to justify their existence. A good boss that actually signs your paycheck, and I know it because I've done it. I don't give a flying shit how you do what I ask you to do. I don't care. Now, if you're leaking corporate data that's dangerous, that I care about. And there's a risk of that we didn't get into today. But overall, if I ask you to get certain things done every week, I already know you're going to fuck off. 10, 15 hours or more a week. If I have you in an office, I know that's going to be at the break room pretending you're working, doing some other shit, sitting in a meeting you don't really need to be in, whatever. I've already factored that in. I've determined this person doing these things is worth $1,000 a week to me if they're a $50,000 employee, $2,000 if they're $100,000. I just have factored that in. If the shit I ask for gets done, I don't care how you did it. So for a time, I think these tools might really enable, especially remote workers. But there is a risk if that remote worker is logged into a company server, accessing data that is confidential to that company, especially things like customer data, 
that that AI tool could be accessing that data at the same time might even be built and designed to do it. So there's going to be all kinds of weird policies, procedures, and isolated walls and things like that. But, you know, I run three computers right now. Got my hand on one right here, talking to the one that's right in front of me. So I can create an air gap and still use that tool. And I can say whatever I output is a result. I can just move it from one computer to the other. It's going to be an interesting thing. How, how will you police the use of this? And the answer is you're, you might make rules and laws, but they're not going to be enforceable. This idea they're going to pause it, they've learned nothing. Well, actually, they know that people like us know that they know we know. Okay? Game theory. But the average person doesn't know. Well, they said you can't do it. I guess you can't. They said you have to wear a mask. I guess you have to wear a mask. They walk into Walmart. Somebody like me is walking around without a mask. I'm like, what's going on? And they either Karen, why didn't he have the mask on? Or they did what? How many of you in the live chat right now, just put me if it was you, walked into a place like that maskless when you're supposed to wear a mask, ignored the person that made minimum wage saying, sir, sir, just walked away. They didn't do anything and saw other people go, if he can do it, I can do it too. Right. So there's a certain and, and, and but still the majority of people didn't. So they know we know they know we know, but they know the other people don't know. And that's who they're looking to control. That's who they're looking to control. Um, J.D. says there was an officer in the British Army that got ran out for pushing to concentrate on the tank. He was ignored by the British. Fast forward 20 years to 1939. Exactly. It's not the only time this has happened. And it's where we need to stop thinking that governments are like uber competent. Um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I enjoyed talking about it. Something a little different, definitely, uh, for a show topic. First time we've ever deep dived into it. But I, my biggest takeaway for you today, it's not our, it's not the Terminator. And again, I don't care if somebody uses a different term. The thing that people fear right now, is synthetic intelligence or whatever name you come up for it, not fake intelligence, which is what artificial means, it's fake intelligence. The thing that you need to fear right now isn't the AI will come get you. It isn't the AI will blow up the world. It isn't that AI will exterminate human beings. What is the person on the other end going to do with it? Think about what you can do with a $20 a month paid subscription to ChatGPT right now. Right. Or an eight dollar a month subscription to um, Mid Journey with art like that picture I showed you. What do you think somebody with a couple hundred billion dollars or a trillion dollars like Elon Musk can pay to have developed and integrated? And what can they do with it? That's the threat, not the AI itself, what the tool enables and the way you defend yourself from a tool is with an equal or more powerful tool. With that, let's go ahead and uh, remind you guys one way you can help support me and the work that I do. Do your online shopping at tspaz.com. You know what AI can't do yet? It can't cook a perfect steak or brisket or chop. Not yet anyway. Even if we have some AI tools get involved, you think about a sous vide circulator. In a way, it's kind of a rudimentary AI tool. Jake, you're done. No more all caps. I'm done with you. <laughs> you had your turn today. Anyway, uh, I'm just picking on because I love you. Um but you can. You can. 
And one really cool element to play with when you're preparing food is smoke. And my favorite smoker tube is the LizQ pellet tube smoker. This is a great tool. It is fantastic. It is inexpensive. It is the best currently available model I could find from a quality standpoint. You know, a lot of times I say buy the best you can for money you have. There's a place where that breaks down. And I'll tell you where it breaks down. An item that's under about 20 bucks, 30-ish bucks and down. And if you the best item is under 20 to 30 dollars. And the cheapest one is half the price. This is this is time to let go of the analysis and buy the best one. Just buy the best one. This thing will last you years. It works perfectly. I explain in the write-up why. And if you do not use a smoker tube with pellets, you want to give this a shot. And I'll give you one of my favorite things to do with it. Something I came up with last year, and I love it. Cold smoke brisket. And I smoke it first for eight hours. Then I, I vacuum seal it. And I put it in the refrigerator for a day after it's been smoked. And then I sous vide it at about 140 degrees for 48 hours. And it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You can do that with this. You don't have to have, and I have a big side box smoker. And since I got this little tube, I hardly ever use it unless it's like a lot of really big meat for a long time. Brisket would be one of those things. And now that I figured, well, I just told you out. I don't even do that as much. Um, and it's good for putting a little bit of smoke on some or long smoking it. I give you a lot of ideas of how to use it. Definitely check it out. With that, also remind you, you can help support this show by joining the member support brigade, where I promise you AI is not tracking what you're doing. Um, and you can get discounts to a lot of great companies, a lot of small companies too. You know, companies that do anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars a year in business to a few million. Uh, and some even bigger, like JM Bullion, Dr. Earth Fertilizers, et cetera. We have discounts on just about everything that you might uh, need to buy here and there throughout a year. And if you use the discounts, the membership will pay for itself. Uh, all you got to do is go to the survivalpodcast.com forward slash members to learn more. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with something different. And I wish all of you a great day. And do not get steamrolled by this. You can have a healthy fear of it, but do not be afraid of it. Having a fear about a thing and being afraid of a thing are different. I have a fear about a gun that somebody's pointing at my head, but I'm not afraid of guns. Be careful that you continue to draw that distinction with all of these innovations, because none of this stuff is going anywhere anytime soon. With that, has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way